in family offices, they're totally fine if in the first few years, cash flow is very minimal or even zero because they're focused on the overall return of the investment. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. Real estate investing is not rocket science, but it's not a fairy tale either. It's an incredible investment vehicle that builds and grows wealth. I have done it, and this is why so many of the wealthiest people in America and in the world, actually, invest in real estate as well. Listen in every week to learn about all the different real estate asset classes, which strategies experienced and successful investors use to live their best lives and the processes to do it. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just listen in every week to grow your knowledge along with me and to move your finances to a place where you can live an extraordinary life. This show is sponsored by my company, Blue Lake Capital, where we help passive investors grow their wealth through large multifamily investments and funds. To learn more about my company and invest in with me, visit www.bluelake-capital.com. Welcome to Ready to Scale Season 4. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Scale. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman, broadcasting from Providence, Rhode Island. Today, I want to talk to you about how to invest like a family office, how the big guys are investing in real estate. Before we get to the episode today, just wanted to remind you that we have a Rev Fund. It's a $100 million fund, multifamily value-add fund, and we're accepting new investors. If you would like to participate and invest with us, you can go to my website, www.bluelake-capital.com. You can leave your information under Invest With Us, and we'll get back to you. All right. So before we begin and talk about exactly what the strategies are, just a few words about what a family office is, because I get this question a lot. Basically, a family office can be an individual or one family or a few families that collaborate together, and they have at least $100 million in investable assets. So that could be $100 million invested among real estate, the stock market, and other investment vehicles. And as I mentioned, some families, they team up together to open a family office because there's a cost associated with opening a family office. You need a staff of investment advisors, analysts, CPAs, etc. So for a small family office, it costs about a million dollars to establish. So you can see why sometimes it doesn't make sense for one person to start and pay for it when the entire team can support a few individuals or a few family offices. Now, we, through the establishment of Blue Lake Capital, you know, we've met several family offices. We are investing with some of them. We had multiple conversations with them over the years, and I've learned how they think, how they operate, how they invest, which is a little bit different than how the average individual investor that I've been investing with that you know came to Blue Lake through Rev Fund or through individual deals that we offer throughout the years. It's a little bit different mindset, a little bit different strategy. And I want to lay it out to you and show you the differences and show you how the uber wealthy are investing in real estate and how they view real estate. The first thing that is the common denominator 
among all family offices that I've seen is patient capital. So all family offices, all of them, there's not even one exception. They're all looking for, they're very patient with their capital. They're all looking for at least five years, if not more, five, 10, 12 years of investment. None of them were looking for a quick one, two or three years. Of course, if it happens and happens that you, you basically sell the asset after two or three years and they're very happy if the returns are great, but they're not really looking for a quick profit or a quick hold period. And the reason is that they've built their wealth by being patient. Most of the people who have been managing and building and managing family offices They've done so by building a very successful business or building portfolio of multifamily assets or any other real estate assets. And it took them decades to get to where they are. And nobody made a huge profit in a year or two. So they're used to be very patient with their capital. The other aspect of being patient with their money is that they're not really focused on immediate cash flow. And that's the one thing that I've seen that is a major difference between family offices and the uber wealthy and individual investors. So a lot of investors are very focused on the immediate cash flow. They want to have at least 6% year over year. In family offices, they're totally fine if in the first few years, cash flow is very minimal or even zero because they're focused on the overall return of the investment. So They're looking at the IRR, which is internal rate of return. It's basically the time value of money. It's what is the return on your investment, but taking into account the time it took you to receive that money. So if you invested a million dollars and got $500,000 in profits, if you did it in one year, the IRR is going to be a lot higher than if it took you 10 years to make those $500,000. So their main focus is the IRR. It's, It's a great way for family offices to look at real estate and look at other deals it could be in oil and gas it could be you know investing with vcs in startups the common denominator between all of those different investments is the irr and that's or more than the common denominator it's basically the tool that helps them make a decision where to funnel the money and the irr is the one that is you can measure every investment doesn't matter what type of investment that is so their main focus is irr I'm not saying that cash on cash is not important to them, but the IRR is more important and they're willing to give up the immediate cash flow in the first years if the IRR is is a decent IRR. And that's the main difference that I've seen because as I've mentioned, individual investors, their main focus, it's a combination between IRR and cash on cash, but it's mainly cash on cash. Many investors are going to opt out of the deal if the first two years, for instance, are going to be 3% 3% cash on cash because they're going to view it as you know deal with very low yields. So that's the second thing. So patient capital and, and also focus on IRR rather than cash on cash. And the other thing that I've seen that was common to many, many family offices is that they like to invest with a small number of operators. They take a lot of time to vet the underwriting, to vet the operator. And they do a lot of vettings and it takes time and energy and money to do so. And once they vetted a group or a a sponsor, they like to keep a small group of operators and keep doing business with the same group 
of companies or operators. And it makes a lot of sense because they can't just sit all day and spend half of their day vetting new operators. Those who have proven themselves that they can deliver, these are the type of operators they keep investing with. So if you see a deal with a family office that is involved with it, it's actually a very, very good sign that the operator is solid because you have a big group with a significant amount of capital, with, with a whole team dedicated just to manage that family's wealth that actually looked into the underwriting through professional eyes that looked into the operator and vetted them. And that says a lot about a sponsor. And I think that would minimize the exposure of an individual investor who is only investing with other individual investors. So if you're an individual investor and you're hearing me right now, you say, okay, I get it, Ellie patient capital, focus more on IRR and vet, spend more time vetting sponsors. What can I actually do to invest like a family office if I don't have a whole team of people and professionals? I don't have a million dollars where I have it, but I don't want to spend a million dollars on building an office to manage my investments. So I would say the first thing is to be open to a longer hold periods, could be seven or 10 years, but you know, five years is also good. But investors that when we speak with them for the first time, they say, hey, I'm looking for two to three year hold. We say it's not a good fit for us. It's, it's just a too short. So if you have that mindset, you know, you might want to rethink or diversify at least your portfolio. That would be the first thing to invest like a family office to be open to a longer hold period. The second thing is try and focus more on the IRR than the cash on cash because the IRR takes into account the payments that are being made every month or every year or every quarter to your bank account from the property's operations. But try and focus more on the IRR than the cash on cash. You know, right now the cash on cash has compressed because the markets are now where they were, you know, two years ago and three years ago. And conservative underwritings is actually going to show you lower cash on cash, but the real number that you should be focusing on is the IRR. And, and I do the same. I focus on IRR. I invest in startups. I invest in, in mature companies and also in real estate. On every single deal that I present to investors, I invest my own money in. My main focus is a lot of times, you know, the IRR. The other thing you can do to invest like a family office is to spend more time vetting sponsors. So the way to do it, you can start by Googling. And with Google today, it's very, very hard to hide anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be you know, fraud, but if investor relations is not very solid, if they're not treating investors right, investors will complain and you're going to see it on Google. So Google someone, you're more likely to see things that are kind of a red flag or actually a green flag, because if you know what you see is actually good and there's no you know complaints, everything seems clean, then that's a really good sign. I would start with just Google sponsors. When you reach out to them, you can ask to speak with their investors and ask them, you know, questions like, you know, how were they communicating when things went south? You know, if they've paid distributions during the pandemic and if they didn't, how did they approach it? Did they just, was there no explanation? Were they communicative during that period and shared with investors their thinking process? So really, ask those tough questions, current, the, the investors that you're speaking with. If the sponsors have any you know, blog or podcast, spend time reading the blogs, listening to a few podcasts so you can get a better feel of you know, whether you like the sponsor, if you trust them, if you like the way they think, if you like their strategy, 
If you like the way they operate, everything on the web is going to tell you that. And of course, when you're going to speak with their investors. So I would say spend a little bit more time vetting sponsors, pick a handful of them and keep reinvesting with them. That would be the best way to approach it and, you know, basically invest like a family office. So I hope that that added value to you guys. This is really, you know, what I've been seeing and experiencing just by working with multiple family offices throughout the years. Be bold, guys. Be great. Keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.